This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to uh, reflect just a moment on uh, last week, the meeting that we had after church, and just to tell you that um, I was very impressed with all of you and the great attitude and uh, the great desire to figure out what is next for Journey. So, you know, I've been in meetings like that that didn't go so smoothly, and, uh, but you guys were just, it seemed unified, uh, a great desire to, to open your hearts and your minds to what God might have next. I hope um, you did do the praying that they, uh, they ask you to do. Because there's another meeting today after church if you're interested and um, uh, be just, you know, talking some more about what might lie in the future. There's a phrase that we've been using, uh, and I hope some of you remember what that is, that we've been starting out the services that I've been in with. Um, and I want, does anybody remember that phrase? It comes from, uh, therefore, go and make disciples, of Matthew 28, 9, and we kind of redid that and made it a phrase for you. So, do you remember what that is? Oh, I hear you talking, but I can't hear you. <laughs> While going through life, you know, the, the, the verse says, go and make disciples. And if you look at that, uh, it's one of those words that we have a hard time translating the nuances of the word, the, the go, therefore go. It really is translated, in, in my understanding better, that going, while going. Uh, because when you look at it for just go and make disciples, people often thought that that went go be a missionary and go someplace. But what it's really talking about, he was telling his disciples, it was his last uh, command or last commissioning moment with them before he ascended. And he said, you know, you need to go and make disciples. And you do that while going through life. And I hope that as the week has passed that you were in that mode that while going through life, you were looking for those opportunities that you could uh, maybe meet someone's need. People have a lot of needs. There, there's a, a lot going on in people's life. And, and everybody that I know of needs hope. And you have the greatest message of hope if you know Jesus Christ. So that hope that you have is something that other people need. And so maybe, you know, as you go through life and you're going to work or play or uh, to the grocery or wherever you might be going, you'll be looking for those opportunities of people who seem to be a little down in life and maybe uh, for some reason they need a word of hope from you. Um, one of the letters that the uh, Apostle Paul wrote to that church that we've talked about a couple of times, a church in Ephesus, uh, Paul prayed something very specific for that church. He prayed for hope for them. For that body of believers, Paul knew, as we know for us as well, that not every, every Sunday, not every week is a good week. That there are times when things are tough. And, and in the midst of all that that is going on around us that maybe is not easy to deal with, we have to stay focused on the right things. Because for them, Paul is, he knows this, if they got their focus on the wrong things, 
the first thing that creeps in is doubt. Doubt about who they are, doubt about what they were to do, maybe even doubt about their relationship with God. And when we get a lot of doubt going on in something like the church, the next thing that sets in is fatigue. Because without that, that inspiration that hope gets, uh, gives us, a doubt takes that hope away and we start getting fatigued with all the, the mental things, the spiritual things, even the physical things. Fatigue sets in. And when doubt and fatigue have taken over a, a main part of your life or the main part of your thinking, or the main part of, of what the church is doing, a loss of vision is the next thing that sets in. So Paul prayed very specifically for them to remember the hope given to them by God. And what he prayed for them applies 100% to you, to me, to this church. And I want to say, before we get to that prayer, I want you to listen to this very carefully. Circumstances going on around you don't define, they do not define God's plan for you. Our circumstances we find in ourselves is not what, then God says, oh, look at those circumstances, I'm going to make a plan for your life. God made a plan for your life to take you through whatever circumstances you find yourself in. God's plan is meant to give you hope to overcome whatever circumstances become a part of your everyday life. So let's listen to what Paul, he says, he's in Ephesians, I'm in Ephesians chapter 1, and beginning at verse 18, he says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for all those who believe. He said, don't lose track of, of that hope, that, that, glorious, that glorious riches that he has promised us as a part of our inheritance in the eternal. Uh, the, the, the power that he has promised for every believer who has asked Christ into their life to forgive them of their sin, he promises this, I'm going to put the power of God into your life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to reside in every person who has given their life to Christ. You have hope in that great power that cannot be compared to anything else in the world that might give you a power. Paul says, don't lose hope because those two things alone are something to have hope in. And everybody needs hope. Doesn't matter your stage in life or your age in life. You need hope. Hope is what keeps us going. Hope can be what makes our present situation, whatever it might be in your personal life or the church life, it can make our present situation tolerable if we have hope. Look at the Romans 15.4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You see, if we're looking for hope in things other than the Scripture, other than what God has said, other than what Christ has said, if we're going outside the Scriptures to look for a place to give us hope, we're going to find that there is very little to be hopeful for. 
All of that was written for us. All the scriptures so that we could read them and study them and know them and listen about them and, and we can find through them the endurance we need, the encouragement we need to go through whatever circumstances come our way. Hope is what makes us look to the future. And as long as we have something to hope for, life is worth living. There's a, a, a story about these four ladies that lived in a retirement community. And one day they were in the, in the uh, main area playing some cards and, and the door opened up from in walks this very good looking older gentleman, two suitcases. And one of them said, what are you doing here? He said, well, um, I'm, I'm moving in. And, they, and their eyes brightened up, oh, uh, where did you come from? He said, I came from the slammer. And the, the slammer, they asked, and he said, yeah, the state penitentiary. I've been in prison for 15 years. And they both, they all kind of sat back in their chair, and finally one of them said, well, what did you do? He said, well, it was pretty bad. He said, I murdered my wife and buried her in the backyard. And they all were kind of shocked at that, but suddenly one of them's face brightened up, and she said, oh, that means you're single? See, we can have hope in a lot of things, but some things we might have hope in is not the right things. There, of course, the danger of having hope in those wrong things, and, and, would, and we could even have hope in things that in and of themselves, they might not be bad things, but if it is the only hope we have are in things or even in relationships with other people, that's the only place and only source of our hope, or maybe a hope in philosophies that we have heard. I mean. These things don't have the kind of hope that will last eternally. Romans 8.24 says this, For this is hope, we are, for in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what, they already, what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You know, Jesus had, I'm, I'm sure we all realize, he had a difficult assignment. But his difficult assignment really started, uh, the difficulty started long before he got to the cross. Because he needed to instill into his followers a new sense of hope. A hope that would be fulfilled through his own life and his death. Uh, he would take more it would take more than words spoken from Jesus to instill that hope. The hope would become real to these disciples as they experienced life with him. And as from our advantage point of being able to peer back into the, the Testaments and, and read what happened with Jesus, uh, we learn that to follow him and to follow him very closely is what we have to be able to do. When they were around Jesus, the disciples, they all just seemed to have hope. That sometimes I don't even think they realized why they had hope, but he was a unique man of God and he just gave them hope. But he was always intimating that, that the future was going to be better. Maybe that's what gave them hope. When they listened to Jesus, they found hope 
that the oppression that they felt almost all their life would end. Around Jesus, they saw the illustrations of hope. In his presence, they heard the promise of hope. In the lives of those he touched, they witnessed the miracles of hope. Now, I'm going to have a few examples of this, and, um, uh, you know, I've apologized already profusely to Mike, who is doing the screen here this morning, because we've got like 70 slides of me telling you what kind of hope Jesus found. So, Mike, thank you, man. He told me I broke the record. No pastor's ever had this many slides. Well, it's my own record, too, because I've never had this many slides. Well, I'm just going to go through some things about the hope that Jesus spoke about and how that translated into what the disciples heard or experienced. So, I'm going to go rapid fire through these. It won't take as long, maybe, as we hoped, <laughs> as you hope. He spoke of a kingdom open to all God's children. They found hope when he called a common fisherman to follow. He spoke of salvation to any who seek him. They saw hope when women joined their ranks. He spoke of God's unconditional love. They saw hope when a low-life tax collector named Matthew was accepted. He spoke of coming to seek and save the lost. They found hope when he called them to be disciples. He spoke of those crippled by life. They saw hope when he healed the lame. He spoke of those blinded by their sin. They saw hope when he restored a blind man's sight. He spoke of those rejected by religion. They saw hope when he embraced these outcasts. He spoke of loving even the least of these. They saw hope when he gathered children to himself. He spoke of the miraculous power of the living God. They saw hope when he walked on water. He spoke of, of not coming to condemn but to forgive. They saw hope when he wouldn't condemn a prostitute. He spoke of being the son of the heavenly father. They saw hope when his prayers to the father were answered. He spoke of his father giving him power over all things. They saw hope when he made a fig tree wither. He spoke of what it takes to please the heavenly father. They saw hope when a widow with only two pennies to give could delight the Lord. He spoke of living by faith. They saw hope when he multiplied five loaves and two fish. He spoke of not worrying about material needs. They saw hope when he produced a corn from a fish's mouth. He spoke of revealing his glory. They saw ordinary water become extraordinary wine. He spoke of those with great faith. They saw him heal a Roman centurion servant. He spoke of death having no power. They found hope when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He spoke of the plight of captured souls. They saw hope when he cast out demons. He spoke of the acceptance. They saw hope when he embraced the untouchables with leprosy. He spoke of forgiveness. They saw hope when he restored an adulterer. He spoke of faith overcoming fear. They saw hope when he had Peter walk on water. He spoke of caring about the needy. They saw hope when he fed the hungry. 
He spoke of God's love. They saw hope when he loved the cheating tax collector Zacchaeus. He spoke of having God's power within. They saw hope when he calmed the storm. He spoke of new life. They saw hope when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He spoke of being a servant to all. They saw hope when he washed their feet. He spoke of being their shepherd. They saw hope when he met the needs of helpless crowds. He spoke of the freedom from bondage. They saw hope when he removed the demons from legion. He spoke of those burdened with religious legalism. They saw hope when he preached the good news. He spoke of those living in the darkness. They saw hope when he said, I am the light. He spoke of the downtrodden. They saw hope when he gave them food to eat. He spoke of those with a false message. They saw hope when he spoke with authority. He spoke of the need for living water. They saw hope when he quenched their spiritual thirst. He spoke of the power of evil words. They saw hope when he commanded evil spirits to be silent. He spoke of true mercy. They saw hope when he healed even on the Sabbath. He spoke of the poor. They saw hope when he promised them the kingdom was theirs. He spoke of the hungry. They saw hope when he promised they would be satisfied. He spoke of those in sorrow, and they saw hope when he promised them joy. He spoke of the resurrected. They saw hope when he promised them blessing. He spoke of sacrifice. They saw hope when he promised eternal rewards. He spoke of prophecy of, about himself. They saw hope when he fulfilled them. He spoke of the law that condemns. They saw hope when, as he re redeemed the guilty. He spoke of a certain woman's sins that were many. They saw hope when he forgave them all. He spoke of the counselor that he would give them. They saw hope when the Holy Spirit came upon them. He spoke of being the way. They saw hope in the path that he walked. He spoke of being the truth. They saw hope in the truth of his words. He spoke of being the light of the world. They saw hope in the radiance of his face. He spoke of being fishers of men. They saw hope in following him. He spoke of the greed of the rich. They found hope in gain, gaining the riches of heaven. He spoke of the worries of life. They found hope as God met their needs. He spoke as one from the kingdom of God. They found hope when no one could refute him. He spoke about the hearts of those, be, those, those who believed. They found hope when he blessed those believers. He spoke of them bearing their own cross they found hope because he bore the cross for them. He spoke of their material needs. They found hope in the Father giving them a kingdom. He spoke of bodies that die. They found hope in eternal life. He spoke of giving things away. They found hope in the promise of treasure in heaven. He spoke of turning from evil. They found hope in turning to God. He spoke of the day of great weeping and gnashing of teeth they saw hope in the door of heaven being opened to them. He spoke of sheep that have gone astray. They found hope in the shepherd that comes for them. He spoke of a son that foolishly left his father. They found hope in a father who welcomes him home. He spoke of the need for, for faith. They found hope in faith no bigger than a mustard seed. He spoke of his body broken for them. They Hope. They found hope as they ate the bread. He spoke of his blood shed for them. They found hope as they shared the cup. He spoke of grace. They saw hope when he forgave, 
gave those who crucified him. He spoke of mercy. They saw hope in his promise to a thief on a cross. He spoke of judgment day. They found hope in their salvation. He spoke of sin that destroys life. They found hope. They found hope, the sacrifice of his life. He spoke of being born again. They saw hope when he rose from the dead. He spoke of victory over the grave. They saw hope when the tomb was found empty. He spoke of triumphing over death. They saw hope in the resurrection. He spoke of the resurrection. They saw hope when he appeared to the many times. He spoke of assurance that this resurrected body was him. They saw hope because he could even eat food. He spoke of being wounded for their transgressions. They found hope in touching his wounds. He spoke of them having a new home and a new kingdom, and they saw hope when he ascended into glory. And that's not all the hope that's in Scripture. Not even close to all the hope that's in Scripture. But Mike wouldn't let me do any more. <laughs> let me ask you, what do you hope in? What, I mean, really give yourself an evaluation here. What do you hope in? Do you hope in your job or career that it's going to become more and more of what you're, what you're working for, maybe what you went to school for? Uh, maybe your hope is in money. Maybe you've done well, invested well, saved well, um, inherited well. I, maybe you have money, and, and your hope is that I am secure in my money. Maybe your hope is in your youthfulness. Let me tell you, that's not, at my age, I can tell you that's not much to be hopeful for. Because one day you're going to say what all of us older folks say. Where in the world did the time go? Maybe your hope is in your health because today it's good. And maybe you're even one of these who runs or works out in the gym and you're healthy and strong and your hope is in your health, that probably won't last either. Maybe your hope is in your retirement. See, I, that's one I can relate to. Hope in retirement. As I, some of you know, but maybe a few here that don't, that um, at 18 I went to work for the U.S. Postal Service as a letter carrier. I spent 23 years in the post office, um, worked my way up through management and became postmaster of Greenville, Ohio. At the salary that I was making back then, which was really a lot, I would sit and calculate my retirement. First off, if I would have stayed at the post office, I could have retired at 55. Because I started at 18, I would have had 37 years of service, and another, I had planned this out, I had, was going to save up my sick leave, and I would have another two years that I could add to that so I could retire based on 39 years of work. If I retired at 55, I would have drawn over 70% of my salary and gotten health insurance. It was a great, great retirement. And I used to sit and think about, man, at 55, you know, what all I'm going to be able to do and, and, you know, all those things. And that became such a driving force for me. But 
as you heard, at 23 years, I resigned. I resigned to go to seminary. Um, and here's what happened. All the money I had in retirement was gone. I got nothing because I resigned. And you leave it all behind. So another three years in seminary, uh, then another year as a new pastor in a struggling church that didn't have enough money to put any money in my retirement, um, I was quite a few years, I was almost 45 before I started building any kind of retirement up. Going from a place where retirement was my hope and what I thought was just solid as it could be to having zero and having to start over. Listen, if you've got your hope in these kinds of things, whether it's whether it's material, relationships, or whatever it is. Um, your hope is in something that will change. Your hope is in something that may very well let you down. What can you have hope in that will not go away? What can you have hope in that won't get weaker as you get older? What can you have hope in that won't ever leave you alone to struggle in life by yourself? There's only one hope that gives us a promise of the glorious eternal future, and that is the living hope found in Christ. In 1 Peter 1, there's another prayer or another verse that talks about hope and where that hope should come from. The verse goes like this, beginning at verse 3 in 1 Peter 1. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope, not a hope in some material thing, something that is a part of earth and a part of our life here. It's a, it's a hope and a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never per perish. Hope in an in in uh, inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. In fact, it's not even here. It's kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the, of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Your hope in Christ. If you today know Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you have asked him for that forgiveness of sin from the depths of your heart and whatever amount of faith you have, you have gone before him and you have said, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you have died on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice. And it was a, it's, this is a once and for all thing you did for us, Jesus, to forgive sin. And I have it. I've got that checkered past. And I need forgiveness. Jesus, forgive me and come into my life. If you have done that, then this hope spoken of in 1 Peter is yours. A hope that is a living hope. It's as living as God himself. It's a hope that's eternal. It's being protected in the heavenly realms. 
Everything else here is not protected. It may come, it may go. But your hope in Christ is eternal. It is protected. It is in God's hands. And you can be assured that that hope, no matter what happens to you, is always in Christ. And it's always going to be there. Romans 15.3 is a prayer. And it says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If our faith is in Christ and we keep that focus that Paul was afraid that that church might be losing and he reassured them that they needed to have the hope and the right things, if, if, if we start losing our focus on our relationship with Christ, on our call to be Christ-like, if we start losing that focus, we will start losing our And God wants us to know that that hope that he gave to us through his son Jesus not only is a hope of salvation, but is a hope that is given to us to live day-to-day lives through the power of God's Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. That that hope in us, when we're living by that power, will overflow from us. You see, while while, uh, going through life, There should be an overflowing of hope in your life because who you know, because you know Christ, that people should be able to see. Every once in a while, somebody ought to be asking you, what's going on in your life? How is it that you have this joy that I don't seem to understand how you got that joy? There should be that at times. But there also should be this at times, that God puts a divine opportunity before you to to, to touch someone's life who is hopeless. They may not know, 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 they're, know they're, they're hopeless, but you will. And when they're down and when they're beaten and when they um, just don't know which way to go, when they're lost, when they've got their focus on something that you know is not good, that divine opportunity of God putting them in your path is so that you can show them hope, that you can speak to them of the real hope that comes from Christ. And I fear that our focus is lost when we don't see that that is what God has called us to. When we don't understand that every day is a new opportunity, in fact, get up every morning and say, God, Put a divine opportunity in front of me today that I might, te- I might reach someone with the hope of Christ. I often think of, of my sister who lived in uh, Columbus. And I tried so many times uh, to speak to her about her relationship, well, her non-relationship with Christ. She didn't want to hear anything about it. It got to the point where I couldn't talk to her anymore. It, it was too much tension. You, are you familiar with that? That you have a family member or somebody you know that you just, you can't talk to them anymore. So I began to pray that God would put somebody in her path that wouldn't be able to talk to her, that wouldn't be able to reach into her life, 
that would be able to somehow do what I was unable to do. And about five years before she passed away, a young woman came into her life in a, uh, in a group that she was in, a book, a book club. And that woman did more to explain to her her need for Christ than I was ever able to do. But my sister never accepted Christ. Until one Sunday, they came down from Columbus. They stayed all night with us. Always the pattern was to get up on Sunday morning and say, we got to get back to Columbus, and they wouldn't come to church. I don't, my sister never heard me preach. But they came. It was Mother's Day weekend. They spent the night with us. They got up the next morning and said, we're going to go to church this morning with you. Well, my wife was preaching that mother that day because it was Mother's Day. So my wife gets up and she, you know, delivers this message. And, and um, at the end, we had people come and kneel down to pray. And I was down praying with somebody. And when I finished praying, I lifted my head. And there was my sister and my wife kneeling at the altar. And right there, my sister prayed and received Christ. Tuesday morning, her husband found her deceased in her bed. We are so thankful that somebody reached her and she came to church and she accepted Christ. Well, let me tell you, there's a thousand, hundred thousand stories just like that. Somebody is praying for a person in this community who doesn't know Christ and hoping that one of somebody's going to run into them and be the one that can lead them. So, in other words, they might be praying for you. They may be praying that you and God may have you pegged as the one that He's going to give the divine opportunity to meet with them and have an opportunity to share faith, to share your hope. Listen, as we close this morning, I just want to give you two thoughts. One, if you do not know Christ this morning as I, as I have described, if you have not ever asked him to come into your life, I'm going to ask you this morning, would you do that? Maybe today is decision day. The other thing is, if you have lost hope in whatever, whether it's your own life, your in, in your own health, whatever it might be, if you have lost hope, did you hear the message this morning, all those things we read off that says, this is how God gives us hope? This is how Christ lived it out? There is hope even for your need. So today maybe your, your prayer might be, I am going to reestablish my connection with the Lord and pray for him. Would you stand with me? Listen, if you need to accept Jesus into your life today, I don't want you to just do this alone. So when this service is over, um, I will sit up here in the front row for a few minutes and just allow anybody that wants to come up and, and uh, to know how to do that, we will lead you through that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the divine opportunities you give us. We can, we can tackle those opportunities because you have given us the hope, the only hope in this world that is eternal.
We have that. You've, you've promised us that. You have shown us through your, your own um, ways and illustrations, Jesus, that, that there are so many things that we can do, that you can do, that you will do, that gives us hope. And I pray, Lord, that this morning, if there is one here that has a need to be reestablished in that hope, God, that today you will speak into their, to their heart and allow them to know that you are with them. We ask that blessing in Christ's name. Amen.